not of some fake Sunday morning world. His love is not a brook that runs dry, intimidated by the real problems of our world. He's not intimidated by your debt or by your stupid decisions or by your materialism or your addiction to EastEnders. I can't understand it. Or even Coronation Street, God help us. Or God really help you, the X Factor. Good heavens above. God, even, even you Jeremy Kyle watches, Lord, set them free. <laughs> See, when we get that God is the God of the real world, and that none of us feels like Wesley in the morning, he's into your real world. And this stuff works in our view, in our viewers. And all the mirrors are broken. I wish we were better and stronger. I wish we'd not gone down and ever stepped out or broken up. Some of us are living in the marriages we thought we knew. Some of us are living in the cities we thought we knew. Some of us have got children that we never thought we had. But we can't call them a mistake. But life just somehow got broken and messy. Listen, read the Bible. Don't it's a messy. We say the 12 tribes of Israel are like it was some kind of lovely nuclear family. It was like an episode of Dallas. There's five different mothers involved in all those brothers. It's a mess. And he says, I love them, they're my people. God's into the horror of the real world. And while he doesn't always give us the answer, he always gives us his love. And his approval is very basic. Even at your worst, I will never forget. Does he want to grow and stretch us and prove us, turn us into someone just like Jesus? Of course he does. But he understands our brokenness. And while some of us wish we were so much more, he says, but always remember, I will love you as long as you are Love when you let me first love you. 
let me give you love to love me with. And I'm kind of, God, I'm glad we had this conversation because I thought I was the only one. I've been smiling every Sunday, but deep inside I'm bored by the whole thing. I hate these things and I'm the preacher. <laughs> glad we had this conversation. Because God, I get empty and I get dry. But when we get goes on. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor the present, nor the future, nor any powers, nor height, nor death, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. He loves us. We don't feel it, but we know that. We love We don't like ourselves, but we love Anybody don't like himself? You wonder why God wants to hang out with you too, and he wants to hang out with you. He says, I, I like you. I like your uniqueness. Please don't try and be like the girl next door every day. Little operation. I joke about things like that in my church, and then, then the girl that leads our, our, our kids' work, she came up and said, Do you know that my six year old daughter said the other day, Do you know that Jared used to be a woman? Emily, I was joking. She said, I don't think so, but stop calling yourself Gloria from the platform. Maybe there's someone here working through that stuff. He loves gender messed up here. Don't, don't know where I'm coming from, don't know where I'm going, don't know what, what, I don't know if I'm same sex attraction, other sex, by the other. Listen, man can't do it. God must give. And all I would say, I'm not here to give you answers, I'm just here to say, let us love it. Because if you do, you'll end up somehow or another more than a conqueror. Nothing can separate you from his amazing love. So tonight is all about realization. The realization of the, of the height, the depth, and the breadth of the love of God. And the realization of what he's given us. Because unless we have a culture built inside of us, that his grace and his love and his mercy is covering me and holding me up and carrying me through life. And God, who lives outside of time, is already living in my tomorrow. He's not wondering who's there. He's there just leading me through this created thing called time and saying, I've created love for you tomorrow and love for you next week and solutions for you a year, three years, 10, 20, 30 years from now. He's already in your I was uh, in Africa with some friends, and we went to a game reserve, Kruger National Park. Anybody ever been to Kruger? It's a, a game reserve the size of Wales, and it's got, got these little, these kind of villagey sort of areas, big centre parks for ad lions. <laughs> and so you've got this, these villagey sort of areas where you've got the lodges and thatch huts, and you go and you, you stay in there. We arrived in this one village group of six of us. And uh, we've done missions on the weekend, but we always go on to game reserves in the, in the midweek bit. We avoid the meetings there and go have some fun. So we arrived um, quite late in the evening. It was dark, and we got into our thatched huts, and we thought, well, we're going to have a barbecue. So we have three huts next to each other. And we didn't know it was just pitch black out there. 
and uh, uh, we didn't have enough cutlery in the one place we were going to do the barbecue, so I said, guys, I'm going to go next door and get another knife. I'll be back in a minute. My friend Robbie was pulling out the meat from the package, and I was heading out this way. And I heard something as I went in the door, but I didn't hear it very clearly. And I walked back out again, and I heard my wife, who was here this morning, I, I heard her say, I heard this little kind of physical voice, There's a lion out there. <laughs> <laughs> so I ran, like, uh, ran into the into the hut. There were some other guys behind me in there. I said, "You better get over here quick. There's a lion out there." And in we got. That apparently, as we ripped open the meat, opened the meat, this lion would roar. And if you ever really heard a lion roar, I remember going and I was staying on the games with a friend, and they had a couple of young kind of teenage lions. And we were there, there was a seven foot fence, and we were petting the lions through the fence and ruffling their mane and all this, but you realize when you're young, the lions, their paws are like this, like kids. Yeah. And then the lions get a bit twitchy, and we had a few kids with us, and, and uh, the lady that looked after the lions, she said, We better go now. They're looking at the kids a bit and getting a bit, you know. <laughs> and I said, There's a seven foot, a seven foot fence. And she said, Listen, that lion can jump over that fence with a dead donkey. He is a powerful creature. So, uh, we took our meat, we hid inside our little batch, and we put our barbecue and locked all the doors and never came out. Until the morning, when we opened the door, thinking, is the lion still out there? Because we didn't know, we were protected, were we protected? Because some of the green places got little fences like this, and the lions are there, and you're here, and they go, oh, no good, that's <laughs> We opened the door, and there around it was this mess. We had been protected all night. We didn't know it. We were safe. We didn't know it. And so our responses were fearful. But we never knew we were afraid. And in the morning we realized, and do you realize the word saved? Literally at its root means safe. I want you, I want you to know tonight, when you come to Jesus and you put your life in his hand, you're safe. You might not see it, but there's a great fence, a fortress, a castle, a strong tower around you. The name of Jesus protects you, holds you safe in his hands. I want you to know tonight, because of the love of God, you're safe. Don't worry about tomorrow, about the debt, how you're going to clean up brokenness. God has spent all of humanity's history cleaning up the brokenness of man and making something beautiful out of it. And he's going to do the same out of your life too. You're safe. You're held in his hands. You're held in the mercy of God. It's not a brook that's going to dry up. No, the mercy of God is a flood that comes crashing into your world. The grace of God is an ocean that you dive into and you will never exhaust the grace of God. Don't sit here in this room thinking, my sins are the ones that will exhaust the goodness of God. Oh no, the one enthroned in heaven laughs. In fact, he rocks from his throne and rolls on the floor laughing at our pitiful excuse for sins and says, my ocean of grace will overwhelm the sins of the world. There is nothing that I cannot to do. Days when you don't feel it and you forget it and you can't find it and you can't read it and you can't even get it in church. But realize, even if it's just for the next hour or three, as I preach, <laughs> you're safe. 
got through that point of injury. And they made it to 2016, 2017, well, 10,000 years from now, you'll still be singing praise. Because then you'll know fully that was sent from the Lord. He held me in his hands. Don't people realize they never got the presence of God up close? Turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Chapter 3. Let's do that one. <laughs> I've got my old Bible out this week. It's great. It's multicolored. I tell you, this, this Bible has got the sweat of revival meetings around the world. I, you should smell it. Sometimes I just go to bed with it on my nose. Oh, I can smell. I can, there's a bit of Nathan Morris there. A bit of Stephen Hill on that page. You know. That's a bit of Reinhardt. I was with Reinhardt when he led over 1.3 million people to Christ in one meeting. I mean, on that page there, I'm sure it is. I don't feel it. Amazing. Lagos, Nigeria. Um, Ephesians 3, and it says this, uh, partway through verse 17, I think it is. Yeah. I'm reading the NIV. It says, and I pray that you, catch this language, being rooted and established in love. Say rooted. In love. Say establish in love. Say made strong in love. You're fantastic. Thank you for your help. Rooted and established in love. That may have power, look at this language really closely, together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high or deep is the Broken humanity gets all the 
And I love the sandwich here, when we're rooted in love. You know, we've all got roots. We're all rooted in something. Some of us are rooted in our past. Some of us are rooted in fear. Some of us are rooted in worry. Some of us are rooted in extenders. <laughs> some of us are, are, are rooted in, in logic. Some of us are rooted in love. How do I know what you're rooted in? Well, it's forget what's happened during your church meeting, but what you're rooted in, you discover, it comes from the prevailing conversation in your mind through the week. If you worry, 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 you might feel good for about 45 minutes after Sunday service, but if you click back to worries, because it doesn't matter where you place the plans of your life, you're rooted in something other than God's love. So usually, we click back to whatever we're actually rooted in. We go to church, but we're not rooted in. So look, show me the roots. Come on, work with me. Sunday school. Show me the roots. Now, I wonder what you're rooted in. Worry, shame, fear, materialism. You need to be known for everything. Or you need something to help. Put your roots back in that your mind. I'm going deep. I, I mean, I'm going wild deep. I don't care what everyone thought thinks. You know when you, you, take, you get those lovely colored, or sometimes they're weird colored flowers in the shops, it's because they, they put them in a, a dye color, and it comes up through the roots, it comes up into the plants. What you stick yourself into is the color you look at. So you, you talk Christian on Sunday, but you look worried on Monday. Put your roots out of that. Now I'm going to stop behind them
well-meaning listener. Most of our problems is that we're so general. We're almost taught to continually analyze our behavioral problems and figure out if we're doing well. And we do it too much. You admit it to you, examine yourself in a moment of discipleship. But actually, children of God could be so much more powerful if we powerfully relax with his love and love more and discover the drain of hearted. He made you to love. Analyze yourself. Yes, amen. Um, <laughs> turn to Luke chapter 15. Luke 15, parable of the lost son. I, I love this. The man who had two sons. Who knows the prodigal son story? Wave at me if you know it. Yeah, this lad. He wants all the money. He wants the money, but not the relationship. So he says, Dad, give me the money. And he heads off. Hey, he goes to London. He spends it all. Not really London. He's checking for the way. He spends it all on wild living. I mean, he lives dirty. And he lives bad. And he lives wastefully. And he lives wantonly. And uh, in verse 17, I mean, he's, he's living bad now, he's in a, he's in a pigsty, he, he, he says in verse 17, when he came to his senses, say, come to your senses, say, realize, say, be persuaded, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have food, and I've got nothing, I'm starving. I'll set out and go back to my father and say, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men and employee. So he got up and went to his father. I love this verse. Oh, come on, get your lips around this. But when he was still a long way off, say long way off. Long way off. Say I'm a long way off. To the person they say, you might be a long way off. But tell him God knows exactly where you are. When he was a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. And Jesus is given a picture of God, our heavenly Father. When he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran. We have a blood threw his arms around him. We have a hugging God. And kissed him. We have a kissing God. He threw his arms around him. Kissed him. Hugged him. He, the son said to him, Father, I sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. He didn't get to finish his speech. The father said to himself, quick! Bring the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his finger, stand on his feet, bring the fat calf, kill it. Those who weren't vegetarians, let's have a feast and celebrate. Get out, poppers, get out the wine. The son of mine was dead. He's alive again, was lost in his mind. So they began to celebrate. God loves restoring that which is lost. Sometimes it's all of us. Sometimes it's part of us. Sometimes a day in our week is lost. Sometimes a week in our year is lost. Sometimes a year in a decade is lost. But he is watching us from afar off. And all we have to do is slightly turn to say, I wonder what God's thinking now. And we should face the full sunlight of the wonder of his love for us. And he says, I'm coming for you. I'm coming for you. I'll make up the distance. If you draw near to me, usually that means... 
And that's enough. God's tumbling, running across the road to come find you, to throw his arms around you, to kiss you, to say, I love you, I love you, I love you. My harshness will never change you, but let me tell you this, I've understood that it's the love of God deep in our hearts that transforms us from the inside out. It's the love of God that brings us into his fullness. He made you to love you. He's a loving God. This is not a self-improvement program. Do you think, let's really yours for a minute, if you stop a few more angry, selfish, or lustful thoughts, if you prayed a bit more and read a few extra chapters of the Bible, do you think that by Friday you really would be any holier compared to his holiness? Mm-hmm. Oh, Lord, so you'll do it, try it. Ask God to help you. But it doesn't make us any more lovable. But actually, when we receive his love while we are yet sinners, we find something happens from the inside out. The love of God finds us. We need to have a moment of realization. He loves us just as we are. I met a girl. She grew up, uh, she was born with a cleft palate. She's very insecure about her looks. I mean, we're talking only getting to eight, nine years old, and she was deeply insecure about how she looked. But she had a wonderful school teacher. Her school teacher was really in love with this little girl. She thought she was an awesome little girl. And uh, one day they were doing uh, kind of a game stroke hearing test in the classroom. And little kids would come out and face the class, and the teacher would stand a few paces behind, whisper things. So it's a little boy, it might be, come on, you're fine. And they'd have to repeat when she's testing their hearing. Hey, I'm going to be a pilot. I want to be an astronaut. I want to be a nurse. I want to be a nurse. I want to be a nurse. Or whatever. Then this little girl came out and faced with a little cleft mouth and her insecure heart. And the teacher stood two places behind and whispered, I wish you and I were together. And that little girl grew up to say, that moment changed her life. She suddenly knew I'm wanted. Somebody wants who I really am. Most of us feel unworthy of it. That's why society is so lonely. And Facebook really doesn't make up for it. We're lonely. Because most of us don't think we're worthy of real connection. People see you real us, three in the morning, Tuesday night at us. But maybe, maybe for some of you, God will be your first true friend. That you let all the way in to who you are and still find that he kisses you better and says, I think you're wrong. Only ever love broke you. Let him love you. What I was always wanting to do. I remember one time in my life I was a young man feeling tired, lonely, and burnt out, and guilty, and shame filled. And you know, when we get like that, we don't feel very spiritual. So we don't actually seek God, but I was, I was in Bible school, so I had to go to church. <laughs> so I turned up, and it was all going on around me, but I was thinking of other things. And I, I, I cottoned on this great idea. I thought, if I lie on my face on the carpet, they're going to think I'm worshiping, but actually I'm asleep. <laughs> and if I snore, I'll just say it's a new tongue. <laughs> 
the worship was going on and my place was kind of close to the wall, it kind of like the school, so people laid there and they were very relaxed. I laid my place as I, as I laid with all the worship going on around me, suddenly I had a vision. I, I, found, myself, I found myself stood on the mountain. It was a very, very different vision. And I stood on this mountain and before me was this giant. And I mean to the point where I'm stood on the mountain but his feet go right down into the valley and his head goes right up into the clouds and I'm just looking at this muscly horse like Arnold Schwarzenegger, a bit like me, just really <laughs> huge. And this, this, this being just raised his arms. There I am full of shame and guilt and tiredness and dryness. And he just began to shout, You are my son. You are my son. You are my son. And the mountain began to shake under my feet as God cried out over me, You are my son. And so many things were going on inside of me. All the shame began to crack and crumble as I realized, Here's God. The Bible says the Lord is a warrior. Here's this mighty being, this king, this Lord, this mighty strong tower. And he stood before me, totally unashamed, shouting from the mountaintops. You might be ashamed of yourself, but you are my son. I'm not ashamed of you. And at the same time, I realized here was this warrior, essentially saying, my DNA is in don't you dare get small-minded, self-absorbed, and caught in the trap of shame and guilt. You're my son. You're great. You're loved. You stand up and the cross brought you, son. You're my son. I tell you, I walked away from that meeting that I intended to sleep for when I was transformed forever. I had a moment of realization. I'm God's son. You're God's son. God's daughter. I don't know who you think you are, but the Bible says you were born from above. I, I, I can test your human DNA. I'm sure we can get some kind of apparatus and find out who your humanity is related to. But if we had some kind of spiritual machine, we could test spiritual DNA to find out well, what other things are in you that humanity has not yet discovered how to, how to look at and really understand. If we have something that could tell us, this will tell us who spiritually you're related to. If I could take up a spiritual blood test, a DNA test from you, it would come up on the reading. This person is directly related to God. Something of heaven. I've been born again from above. There was a spiritual birth in flesh, his birth of flesh, in 1970. I know, I don't know. In 1970, Marion Cooper gave birth to Jared Lee Cooper in Newport, West. Oh, wait. I don't know if that is. But in 1977, the Holy Spirit gave birth to Christ in Jared. Bible said I've got to learn to die daily to the old flesh and lust that die and simply receive the love of God because God's Spirit is born in my heart. Now Jesus somehow lives in me. I'm God's Son. Those of course who actually say, oh, I'm God's Son. What thoughts are Let's realize 
He loves us. 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 Amen. Some years ago, I was flying up in South Africa. I was flying uh, in Sudan. In Sudan. Requires faith to fly in Air Sudan. Outside toilets. Seats, so I was, I was okay with that. At the first time, I began to think, well, there's nobody on the side of me, maybe the Lord will bless me. And then I had an easy flight, and then this drunk guy starts to walk down the aisle. And I tell you, reading the numbers, and he's getting closer and closer, and I'm looking at the seat, and I'm looking at him, and in Jesus' name, I'm crying Jesus. <laughs> they wouldn't let him complain that these days, he was proper drunk, he was staggering down the aisle, and then he leaned over. He studied the numbers and looked at me and looked at the seat by the window and said, That's my seat. I don't know. He sat down and uh, he turned to me and he told me his name and, uh, and he said, uh, Hi, my name, whatever. Um, he said, What do you do? I said, Oh, I'm a minister. I'm a South Africa to minister. He said, Oh, Jesus. And I said, That's the guy. That's the minister. <laughs> and I'm sitting there and I think, Well, maybe I'll move to that seat. Because I know that you would all got insane by the end of the flight. Now. I'm quite surprised like that. Um, and then down the aisle walks this huge woman. Now I don't mean just nice and round and happy. I mean documentary mode. She's walking down the aisle, and the plane is slightly rocking as she walks. It's that bit, right? She's walking, and, and I'm seeing that most of it's filled up except for the seat next to me. And I'm looking at drunk man, and I'm looking at him. And now I start to find huge woman Jesus. Jesus. She walks up and she sits down in the seat next to me. I mean, I'm under her armpit. 17 hours. Now, like I say, I know that you would have got drunk man saved and got the, the, the big woman on slim fast by the end of it. I know you would have But me, I'm just sitting there. I'm going to be honest. I had a bit of an anger issue at the time. I've got this root of bitterness growing up inside of me. God, I'm going to South Africa for you. I'm living for Jesus, I have to say. Six weeks I'm going to miss. It's going to be quite tiring if you didn't know. I know you don't get tired, but we don't hear. We can't even organize the seats on the plane. I'm getting angry. I'm 17 hours. I'm getting angrier and wetter and smellier and angrier and wetter and smellier and angrier and wetter and smellier. I hate them both by about 10 hours in. I'm currently going to hell. I know you would. You're all holy and lovely. I don't care what you have to We land. I extricate myself from her armpit. Get off the plane. Get, pick up my bags. Get into the, the arrivals lobby at, at the Johannesburg Airport. It's called Jan Smuts in those days. I think it was. And I walk in and there's this, there's this tall guy, he's the church administrator, and he just says to me, you're late. I said, well, late for what? He said, there's a, there's a pastor meeting that started already, so you can get late, you're home, and, and you're late, the worship started. I'm like, but this one, I don't know what I'm doing. He said, it was. He said, it wasn't. He said, it was. He said, it wasn't. He said, it wasn't. I said, it wasn't. Then he's about six foot seven, but I don't take it in the money. There's me cash, Jesus. I'm getting angrier and angrier. Fat woman, drunk man, and down here at the Do you ever get in such a bad mood that if the angel came and you turned up, you would not repent? You'd be. 
We know it's getting times in life we have issues. I just go back with it. Thank God I haven't got a temper like that anymore. But let me tell you something. We have stuff. Don't we have stuff that goes on? I ride with the church. They're all singing and worshiping like a room full of pastors going, oh, 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 looking holy. I'm at the back there on a Bruce Springsteen t shirt that's half wet down one side. I smell it up and all down this side. I hate the church administrator. I probably hate the pastor at the front now. I'm like, right. Can I, can I go and have a shower? No, you, you've got to start getting out of coffee. No, you are. As soon as you get there, you've been waiting a while. You're on. So I get there, I walk through, they introduce me. I'm walking up to the closet in a stinking, filthy, bad mood. I'm thinking, I'll sing a song, call a coffee break, I'm the visiting drinks of heaven. So I'm walking up the middle aisle. I get halfway up the aisle and I hear the voice of God for the first time in 18 He said, Go pick up that guitar. Hundreds <laughs> 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 are
And that was actually one of the most significant days of my life because of the entire denomination opened up for my ministry in South Africa. But I spent years going back to and seeing incredible meetings. And they didn't even know the full story. I'm in a terrible place when I first met them, making this prophet's coming to church. And I'm like, no, 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 this bitch stick's coming to church. <laughs> this bitch stick loved by the ocean of mercy that flows from his throne. He loves you. So put your life into his hands. I'm not endorsing bad moods, you know that. But I know humanity. I know we have bad days. Sometimes we have bad months. Some of us have bad years, and some in this room will have bad decades. But your life is safe in his hands if you run to him. If you run to him, he will double run to you. He will put his arm around you. He'll kiss you and he'll lift you up and say, You're safe! You're safe! You're safe! I love you. It was never about what you could do. It was always really about how much I love you. Let's stand together in the presence of God. Now you need to feel more spiritual. And the rest of the evil thing. Nothing does the Holy Spirit like an evil, that's what I think. And the drums, I don't know, I'm still trying to work out drums from the devil. No, but you can sit down there. <laughs> I'm only kidding, I'm <laughs> Oh, he loves you. Didn't he love you? Isn't it lovely to think about the love of God? Oh, you're all pretty tall, aren't you? I just realised. I forgot that I'm five foot five. When people meet me, they've heard our radio program. They never listen to things on the radio. And then they, they always go, oh, you are taller on the radio. <laughs> Come on, let's close our eyes and go. I want you to think about this. He loves you. His grace is sufficient for you. The first thing I want you to know in this room is if you don't know Jesus at all, I want you to realize Jesus, Jesus loves you. I think it's pretty easy to look at the world and realize the world is broken, lost in sin and badness and selfishness. you just got to watch the news to know that. But every one of us in our own way is broken and selfish inside. It's not just terrorists in Paris. We're all broken. Yeah. And Jesus died to take the punishment that you and I deserved. And if we just run into his arms and say, God, Jesus, thank you for dying to take my sin. I give you all my sin, my badness, my sadness, my mess. I want to know you. I want to walk with you through life. And here's the reality. We walk with God through this world. And we will live with Him for eternity. Taken up with the love of God. I pray if you don't know Jesus tonight, you'd have a moment of realization. I want every eye in this room to close. Every head to bow. We're going to pray a prayer together. It's a prayer to Jesus. Asking Him into our world to help us. Giving him our sin and recognizing that he died on the cross to take the punishment for all of mankind. If you can believe each phrase as I pray, I want you to pray it with me. Is that okay? Everyone in the room, pray it with me. Let's talk to God together. Pray after me. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying for me. Thank you for dying for me. 
give you my life. I give you my sin. I give you my badness. My selfishness. I ask you to forgive me. To wash me. To cleanse me. To hold me. I receive your gift of love. Would you fill me with your Holy Spirit? Help me to walk with you. Help me to live in your love. And to know you forever. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, every eye is still closed, every head If you pray a prayer to God, that prayer, you pray to pray to God for the first time. I want you to raise your hand where you are, and I'm going to pray for you before we move on tonight. Just raise your hand high in the air right now, really briefly. I'm the only one looking. If you thank you, anyone else? There is free.